finishing the sermon that we started uh, last week. And, and we talked last week, the, this idea that Nehemiah was called. We know that because basically he said that, that God placed that or put that in his heart to build the walls in Jerusalem. We know that he was confident because God, uh, because Nehemiah said that God was going to give them victory. They would have success. So he was confident. And we know, and we talked about him being coordinated, that he was able to coordinate the people to join with him. And, and as we, as individuals and as we as a church look to build walls in our life, to, to, to answer the call that God places in our life, we would think kind of along with Nehemiah that if God calls us and gives us confidence and, and, and helps us coordinate those projects and the things that we're, we would think that everything would just go as planned. Everything would be simple and easy. But we started to look last week that even when we begin a good work, that, that it won't be easy. There will be challenges, sacrifices, difficulties. And so last week we started this idea of this sermon with the simple thought that there will be opposition. When you try to do something good, whether it's a project that you organize or whether it's a project that you join, or if it's just a simple change in your heart when God calls you to, to build a wall in your heart to make a difference as an individual, you will face opposition. We saw this because Nehemiah did. He faced, first of all, opposition that was personally. He was attacked personally. And it came, it came from within and it also came from Satan. And, and he was attacked with the project. When that didn't work, they attacked the project. They overstated the work. They basically said, hey man, this is too much for you to do, or they understated the value. They ended up saying, hey, even if you build the wall, it'll when a fox jumps on the wall, it's going to, it's going to fall down. Uh, the work that you do is not important. It was interesting, last, last Sunday afternoon, we went home and, and had, uh, had lunch, and, and my, my son Joel and Heidi and his, uh, his wife Heidi and their family were here with us at church last week, and we were sitting around uh, Sunday afternoon, and Joel said, hey, uh, that, that was kind of an interesting sermon. Heidi and I talked about that on the way home. So, you know, I'm kind of like, wow, yeah. And, uh, but, but he said, you know what? That's what we faced. That's what we faced. And, and I knew this had happened a little bit. Uh, see, it, it was two or three years ago that Joel and Heidi just felt that God was calling them to add a child to their family and not, not have another child but to adopt. And, and their initial thought was, okay, if we're going to adopt, we'll do it out of foster care. Uh, their Joel's sister, our, our daughter Crystal, had done that. And so they just assumed that's what God was going to lead them to. So Heidi went to a couple conferences and uh, adoption conferences that dealt with foster care. And, and they just had, had kind of an uneasy feeling about it. And then then one night Joel had, and, and, and he would say it was a vision, it was a dream, but he really feels like it was God talking to him, and I believe him. That, that God spoke to him, and and it wasn't that God wanted them to adopt within the states. They just felt like God was calling them to adopt from Korea. Now, I don't know why God chose that, but but He did. Um, it would have been easier. It would have been less expensive to do it uh, 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 here in the states. But 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 He felt that that was what God was calling him to do. And and then Joe went on to say, you know what? Since we decided to do that, and we started telling people. He said, what you said was right. We were attacked. Uh, and we were attacked from within. He said, we had, um, and I'm going to give you details, but we, we know that there were some family members, not on our side, on the other side, but there were some family members that 
that, that attacked him that said, what are you doing? Why, why? You've got three kids that are perfect. Why would you want to do this? Why would you want to give? They had friends that they shared it with that they thought would rally behind them and encourage them that said, no, man, you're, you're going to spend $40,000 to adopt internationally. Why are you doing that? And, and yet the whole time they knew that God had called them. When, when we are called, when God calls us, something big, something small, there will be opposition. There will be opposition. This morning, let's look at the, the, the next two things in our, in our outline as we see in this, in this text. There, there will be opposition, but there will also be obstacles. There will be opposition, but there will be obstacles. If you have your Bibles, uh, look in Nehemiah chapter 4 and follow along with me. I'll read just a couple verses and then we'll read a few more a little bit later on. Nehemiah chapter 4, starting with verse 7. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the men of Ashdod, that was the Philistines, the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs to the Jerusalem walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were beginning to close, they were very angry. Man, they were upset that Nehemiah was doing something that was ma- that he was making some good things happen. They, they, they weren't that concerned when he first arrived because they thought he's not going to build. He's just a cupbearer. What's he going to do? But they started to see the walls come up the gaps begin to close and they were in sense. They were, um, they were angry. Uh, hang on a second. I lost my place. My page flipped over. Uh, it says then in verse eight, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. There will be obstacles. Notice what happens here in this text. The enemies plotted. The enemies plotted, but Nehemiah prayed and posted. The enemies got together and came up with a plan. They plotted against Nehemiah. They plotted against this project, but Nehemiah prayed and posted. This was probably not in Nehemiah's plans. As, as he dreamed about how this project would go forward, never did he anticipate a threat like this. I'm sure he assumed there would be obstacles. I mean, if, if you lead anything, there's going to be obstacles. And I'm sure he thought, hey, I'm going to have trouble getting people to, to show up on time, and, and I'm going to have some obstacles getting the material where it needs to be, and, and I'm going to have scheduling problems. He, he had to assume that he would have obstacles like that. Never in, in his greatest imagination did he assume that he would face a, an army. And had he known that, had Nehemiah known that when he started this project that, that an army would amass against him, I wonder if he would have, would have ever left Susa and headed to Jerusalem. I, I was visiting recently with my son, Caleb, and uh, he was talking about their trip to Hawaii uh, about a year and a half ago. He and his wife went to Maui. And, and while they were on Maui, they took this road. If some of you have been to Maui, maybe you've done the same, the same thing. It's called the, the, the Road to Hana, I believe. It's, it's like a day a day-long trip where you drive this road and every so often, every few miles, there's a place you can stop and, and hike to see waterfalls and, and see beautiful uh, vistas of the ocean. You can walk through bamboo forests. And he said, he said it's just a great a great trip. And he said, and talked about one in one spot in particular, they stopped and he said they, they hiked about two miles uh, to, to see this waterfall. And they said when they got there, uh, it was just amazing. It was beautiful. But he said, the hike was not easy. Number one, it was two miles, but he said it was rough terrain and it was hard to walk. And, and about halfway there, they began to think maybe, 
maybe we shouldn't have done this. Maybe we shouldn't have gone. But when they got there, they said, hey, it was worth the effort. It was worth the hike uh, to see that beautiful waterfall. Uh, and, and I wonder sometimes if we knew the obstacles that we were going to face. Certainly, I wonder if Nehemiah knew the obstacles that he was going to face if he would have went. If he would have went. But when we know the outcome, it's worth the effort. See, see, Nehemiah had a choice. Who was he going to listen to? When obstacles rose up against him, who was he going to listen to? Was he going to listen to the voice of opposition? Was he going to listen to the ones who said that he couldn't do it, that he couldn't get the project done? Who did David listen to when, when he went up against Goliath? If you look over in, in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, and I'm not going to take time to read all those verses, but, but if you look there, you'll see the story of, uh, of David and Goliath and Everyone told David he couldn't do it. First of all, his brothers told him, David, what are you doing here? You, you should just go back and be a, a shepherd. Even King Saul said, when David showed up, like, well, you're just a boy. And then Goliath, when he saw David going out against him, Goliath laughed at him. What, am I a dog that you send this, this little child out to get me? Everyone was speaking against David, speaking against opposition of David, but he believed that God could do it the voice of opposition are you going to listen to them or are you going to listen to the one who called you when when you start when you start to build a wall will you listen to the one who says you can do it will you listen to the one that says this is your project when you when you start to make a change in your life when you decide to be a better dad or a better mom or or to win over an addiction or a secret sin when you start to build that wall, who will you listen to? And Nehemiah was simply trying to build a wall, to do what God had called him to do. And now an army was plotting against him. An army was forming on the other side of the wall. And please know, this was no small obstacle. Uh, he could handle the verbal threats. He could handle them them calling them feeble Jews and, and, and making catcalls against them, but but now he's going up against an army, an army that was trained, and, and, and all he had was a bunch of exiles that, that, that had no training, no experience, and, and the truth was, Nehemiah, had, had he been a military guy, maybe, maybe just maybe he, he would have felt like he could handle it, but Nehemiah was a, a wine tester. The, the best he could do would be, would be a go across the wall and, and offer wine to those that were gathered against him. But Nehemiah, trusted in God. Who would have blamed him if he had thrown up his arms and said, I quit? Who would have second-guessed Nehemiah if he threw up his arms and said, I tried? Who would have thought a second thought if Nehemiah had thrown up his arms and said, well, I got it halfway done, because we know that from the text. They got halfway, the wall half done. Well, Lord, I got it halfway there, or or if he'd thrown up his arms and said, God, I'm not the one. I, I must have misunderstood. I, I did this much, but I'm not the one to finish the job. That must be someone else. Well, 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 let me toss you a, let me toss you a line. If you've ever felt like God has called you to something and you faced an obstacle. If God has called you to change your heart and, and, and you've started off and, and man, things have gone well and then suddenly you come up against an obstacle that says, no, you can't do that. You can't be that person. You can't win that sin against that sin. But let me let me tell you what Nehemiah did. 
He says he prayed and he posted. He prayed. I, I think his, his prayer was a simple one. God, give me reassurance. Let me know that what I'm doing is the right thing. Uh, when you feel God's call on your life, oftentimes the one thing that we should do is the last thing that we do. When we face an obstacle, we should pray. When Jesus faced the biggest obstacle of his life, I was facing the cross. What did he do in the garden? He prayed. When we face an obstacle, be be like Nehemiah and pray. Uh, and, and then it says, he posted. If you read on the text, you find out what he did. He literally, uh, he, he literally posted men in the gaps in the wall. Every place there was, was a gap. He would post someone with a spear or a bow and arrow, someone ready to fight as, as the workers worked. Nehemiah posted someone there. He was proactive in doing what he needed to do. They plotted, but Nehemiah prayed and posted. The second obstacle that they faced was, was really one of reality. Look with me in verses, uh, verses 10 through 14. Uh, it says there, meanwhile, okay, an army shows up, they're, they're, they're plotting against them. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. What, so, so what's going on is, as an army is forming, they see that, they're getting discouraged, although Nehemiah is saying, hey, we can do this, we can do this. They look around and they see the rubble and they're like, oh man, and it goes on. Also, our enemy said, before they know it, this is what they were spreading around, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to their work. Now they're challenging, they're saying, hey, you guys are in big trouble. Then the Jews, look at verse 12, it gets worse, then the Jews who lived near them came and told us, Ten times over. In other words, told them over and over and over and over again. So it's the Jews who lived near them. It's the Jews that hadn't lifted their hands to work. It's the Jews that stood by and saw the project would would certainly benefit from the walls being built, but hadn't done anything. The Jews that were just hanging around suddenly realized that, hey, hey, we can speak to this now. Wherever you turn, they say, they will attack us. Therefore, Verse 13, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their spears, uh, with their sword, spears, and bows. Afterward, I looked things over. I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember, remember, the Lord who is great and awesome will fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Uh, the workers saw rubble. They saw all that rubble, but Nehemiah reminded them. Nehemiah reminded them that God would give them the victory. They, they, they saw little, literal, they saw literal rubber, uh, rubble. They saw the, the size of the job as, as they began to work, certainly after a bit, of, a bit of time, they began to get weary, which often happens when we start to work for the Lord. We, we go a little ways and we don't see enough progress and we begin to get worry, worrisome from that and weary from that. And, and they became physically tired and they looked out and they saw all this rumble. So even amongst themselves, they were saying, man, the job is, is so big. I, I can, I can relate to the Jews. I can relate to their mindset. Uh, the, that video that we watched a little bit earlier, I, I got that, uh, I think it was Monday or Tuesday this last week in an email, and I, 
I've watched it four or five times since then. And, and you, you want to you know one of the things that pops out of that video, I, I love to, to, to see the pastor uh, uh, interviewed. We, she was the same pastor that we had last year. I've uh, seen her several times. And, and I love to see the family interviewed. But you know one of the things that, 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 that stuck out of that memory or of that video, it's the last scene. I don't even know if you caught it. The last scene. Looks like maybe they have a drone taking a video of the house from above. You know what? You know what? I'm kind of like the Jews. I saw that, and you know what I thought? And that site doesn't look very good. It's up on a hill. Did you notice that? It kind of slopes on either side. Now, I also saw a map of where it's at, and there's no road that goes to that site. And, and I'm already beginning to wonder, because they talked about us maybe building a house where we wouldn't get a cement truck, and we'd have to make the cement ourselves. And I told them, no, we didn't want to do that, but I'm wondering if they misunderstood. And, and, and so I'm seeing that. I saw that. When I saw that, that's what just, oh, man, this is going to be a tough sight. Kind of like those Jews. I look out and I'm like, oh, I saw sand and rubble and a hard place to get to. I mentioned that last Thursday. Dan came in the office and Tanya showed him the video. And I, I said to Dan, I said, Dan, man, that site looks rough. You got you to gotta love Dan. I don't know what he saw because he didn't see what I saw because Dan said, that didn't look so bad. <laughs> Sometimes you need people just to slap you upside the head and, hey, quit worrying about the rubble. Quit worrying about the rubble if God is on our side. What are we worried about? See, see, they saw literal rubble. At, at, at the root of that is, is the, the thought that you begin to doubt yourself. Because there was rubble. I mean, there was. That, that, that was a huge obstacle they were going to have to go up, go up against. That, that was real rocks that they were going to have to place together and, and pick up. And it was a lot of work. They, they began to doubt their self. But at the, at the heart of doubting themselves was that they were doubting God. They were doubting that God could bring it to completion. But, but not just that. They... You know what they were really seeing? They were seeing spiritual rubble. I don't, I don't think it was the rocks so much as it was their history. I, I think what they, what they really were seeing was their past failures. See, see, they knew why the rubble was there. As a nation, they had turned against God over and over and over again. And, and, and we're not take time to read it, but if you want to look in Second Chronicles chapter 36, verses 15 and 16, it'll kind of tell you what happens that God Finally said, I've had enough of this, and, and God allowed the, the nation of, uh, of Judah to be taken into captivity, that, uh, that, that, that he turned his back on them. And, and, and so that's what they saw. They saw all of their past failures. They believed the worst about themselves. And doesn't that happen? Doesn't that happen when we begin to build for God? Doesn't Satan bring up our past failures and our past weaknesses. He, he points out the rubble that's in our life. Yeah, yeah, you started that project back then, but, but look what was left of it. Yeah, you were gonna, you were gonna start being a better dad, but what happened there? You were gonna be a, a better mom that prayed with her kids, but you, you see that rubble over there? You, you were gonna get rid of that addiction in your life, but Look who's winning that battle. See that rubble, that old pile of rubble over there? You, you were, you were going to get rid of that secret sin. You were going to share with someone else what was going on in your heart and your life and, and, and take victory over that. But you see that pile over there? See, that's what Satan reminds us of. Not just the physical rubble. 
And I don't think that was the only thing that was bothering them. I think they were seeing the spiritual rubble of their life, their past failures. I, I, I met this guy. His name was Jeremy uh, years ago in, uh, in Mississippi. I was at a youth conference, took some kids from our youth group in Baton Rouge to uh, Mid-South Christian College. Uh, I don't even remember where. It was, somewhere in Mississippi. Drove up and took him there. It was late one night. I was talking with a youth worker from, from a church in Memphis, Tennessee. And, uh, like I said, his name was Jeremy. We began to talk and, and, and tell our stories. I told him about my life and he began to tell him about his life. And, and man, he blew me away. He, he began to talk about what he had done in his life. He wasn't raised in the church. In fact, his parents basically abandoned him and, and he ended up on the streets and made one bad decision after another, ended up in alcohol and, and drugs and, and found himself in jail. He just went through all this stuff that had happened. And, and, and then we had the good part. He said, yeah, but, but then I came, I became a Christian. And, and I felt God's call in my life. And some people took, took, uh, took a notice of me and they believed in me. And I, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And I, I began to grow as a Christian. And, and it looked like a wonderful story. But as we talked, he said, but you know what? I still struggle. And, and he was there with 10 or 12 high school kids, junior high and high school kids. And, and they loved him. You could tell how they interacted. They, they had a, a lot of respect for this guy. They said, you know, sometimes I look at myself and I say, how did I end up here? I've got all that stuff in my past. And, and can God really be using me? What if I mess up? What if I make a mistake? What if I fall back? See, it's so easy for us when God calls us to build, to see rubble, to see the rubble of our life to see our past failures but Nehemiah reminded Nehemiah reminded notice what he says there don't be afraid of them remember the Lord who is great and awesome and finally we'll close with this real quickly here's the last thing we see is there will be opportunity if you want to read on the next couple chapters in the book of Nehemiah you can kind of see some of that the the rest of chapter 14 and and then chapter, or rest of chapter four and then chapters five and six. What, what you see them doing is standing in the gap. So, so as one guy would build the wall, there would be someone behind him with the sword and the spear and the bow and arrow. When, when someone walked to get a drink of water, there'd be someone with a spear and a sword and a bow and arrow. And, and when his time was up, he would trade places and another guy would work and someone else would have a spear. They would stand in the gap, and they would stand until victory had come. God, God calls us. God calls us to build walls. I don't know what those walls are for you. I, I, I hope that He has a that that He has a plan for uh, us as a church, and I hope God has a plan for us as individuals to build walls. To, to make a difference, to speak into people's lives, to change our own hearts. I, I hope that God calls you to build walls, but know when He does, He will give victory, even if we don't see it. Let me close with this story. Matt Proctor, uh, president of Ozark Christian College, uh, told this story at a convention earlier this year. He he was talking about when a when one of the alumnus of OCC uh, came and spoke at, at a chapel service. The guy's name was Drew Sherman. Drew was a pastor of a Christian church in uh, Las Vegas. And, and, and Drew had brought with him a guy named Mike, uh, a guy named Michael. And, 
And, and for the story, Proctor called him Homeless Michael. Um, and he brought Homeless Man Michael with him because Michael had, had been homeless but had, had accepted Christ as his Savior and, and had made a wonderful change in his life and, and had got back on his feet and got a job, was doing well and just on fire for the Lord and winning other people to Jesus. But Proctor went on to tell the story. He said, said, I was excited about that, but as I began to understand the story, I started to piece together all the backstory of the story of the homeless man, Michael. And, and so Proctor shared that. He, he started off by talking about a guy named Walter Goodman back in, in the 1940s. Walter Goodman was a, a young student at then Ozark Bible College, which had just opened its doors. And, and, and young Walter, Walter Goodman decided that God was calling him to be a pastor. So, so on weekends, he would go to the, the little town of Gilbert, Arkansas, to a little country church, and, and he would do his best to preach. And, and he realized that he wasn't a very good preacher, and he didn't really know if that's what God was calling him to do for sure. But, but every Sunday, he would go and he would preach and, 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 and preach his heart out. And, and while he was there, uh, he met a, a young family and was able to get in their home and visit with them. And he led this, this young father and this young mother to Christ. They, they had three or four small children. They began to come to church. And, and within a couple of years, Walter Goodman said that, that he decided that that's not what God had called him to do. Uh, in, in fact, the reason that Proctor knew the story of Walter Goodman is Walter Goodman went on to do other things. Some of you might know, some of our older members might, might know that name. He went on to found uh, Goodman Church Builders. He became an architect and has built, uh, I think, Central Christian. I believe part of that building was built by Goodman, Goodman uh, Church Builders. And, and, and so, he, so, so he left ministry but went on to build churches in a different way. But years later, Walter Goodman, talking to uh, Proctor, uh, made this comment. I, I've always wondered if, if I should have stayed in ministry. I always wonder if I made a difference or could have made a difference. And, and when he met homeless man Mike, Matt Proctor began to put the pieces together. See, that young family that, uh, that Goodman brought into the church and, and, and mentored a little bit had a son. Uh, their, uh, their, their, their son went on to, uh, uh, to Bible College at, at Ozark. His, uh, his name was Roy Wheeler. A- after Bible College, Roy Wheeler went to Amarillo, Texas and pastored for years and years at the Paramount Terrace, Paramount Terrace Christian Church in, uh, in, uh, Amarillo. Uh, year, years later, a young man began to attend Paramount Terrace Church in Amarillo. A, a young, young man that, that didn't know Christ, but but was taken under the wing of, of, of the pastor Roy Wheeler, Roy Wheeler and, and this young man became a Christian and later on went to Dallas Christian College and then later to Lincoln uh, Christian College to get his master's degree. This young man's name was Judd. Some of you know this guy, maybe not personally, but if you listen to Caleb, you hear him. His name is Judd Wilhite. So if you listen to Caleb, in case you hear a little, little, uh, little, little clips from Judd Wilhite, Judd, Will Height pastors another church in Las Vegas. And, and, and in, in Judd Will Height's church in Las Vegas was, was a, a lady named Michelle. Uh, Proctor called her soccer mom Michelle. And, and Michelle was busy with her life, running her kids to and fro. But one Sunday a, after Will Height's sermon, she felt, felt challenged to do something different with her life and, and to give more. So she began to work with the church's homeless ministry and, 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 and uh, and when she did that, she she really got involved, and she went back to her Sunday school class 
and began to tell the stories in, in her Sunday school class. And in her Sunday school class was a guy that, that in the story was called Cody the Fisherman. Cody was a, a believer, but, but most Sundays he found himself, at least when the weather was nice, out on the lake fishing because he loved to fish. But, but that Sunday he happened to be there when, when soccer mom Michelle talked about her passion for the homeless people and, and Cody caught a little bit of vision and so he stopped fishing every weekend. He still fished, but he stopped fishing every weekend and he began to, uh, to, to minister alongside Michelle. Cody was, was a lawyer. About that time, the mayor of Las Vegas decided that he was going to change the law, was going to implement a rule that, that organizations like those churches couldn't feed the homeless people. They, they would have to have special licenses and, and Cody the fisherman, who was a lawyer, sued the, the mayor and won. So they were able to continue to feed the homeless people. And then there was a lady who was a member of Drew Sermon's church who was known simply on the streets as the sandwich lady. And, and because he won that, that legal battle, the sandwich lady was still able to go out and hand out sandwiches to homeless men. And the sandwich lady handed a sandwich to Michael. But more than a sandwich, a smile uh, and some love and some encouragement and some direction. And the sandwich lady led him to Christ. Who would ever thought those couple years as a pastor, feeling like a failure, feeling like that God would never use him in ministry, who would have thought that someday Michael the homeless man would be on fire for Jesus? See, you don't know what God may be calling you to do. When God challenges you and gives you a wall to build, it may be 30, 40, 50 years down the road that the end job is finished, that the wall is completed because you said, I will. But please know, there will be opposition. There will be obstacles. But God gives us the opportunity. Father, we thank you this morning that we can be in your house. And Father, we thank you that you give us, you give us your commission to make a difference. Father, I thank you that you call, you call people like Nehemiah, who, who was just a cupbearer, just a wine taster, to build the walls of Jerusalem. And Father, you call people like us. You call just normal people to build walls that make a difference in people's lives. Father, uh, open our eyes, open our hearts. Prepare us to face the opposition. Prepare us to face the obstacles so that we can take advantage of the opportunity you give us in Jesus' name. I pray that God has been speaking to you over the last few weeks with the challenge of building walls, building walls for Him. Would you stand as we sing?